are listening to Free Beers and a Movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm joined today by Colin McKay and Stu McFall. He's back. Yay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> hey, Stu. <laughs> oh. The only good thing about the beast from the East Town is, is that Stu gets to join us on a podcast. Mm-hmm. That's maybe the only bonus of it all. Yeah, how is, um, how is the weather in, in the Isle of Man, sir? Uh, it's just snowing. Blowing a hoolie, as they say on the Man Isle. Blowing, yes, a... blowing a hoolie, which is a nonsensical Manx thing. <laughs> Just means it's fucking windy as fuck, man. But yeah, it's just really uh, obvious alert. It's just really fucking cold. Yeah, like, yeah that's what I've noticed. It's, like I can deal with the cold, but this seems really freaking cold. Yeah, like, man, really cold. This like, oh, this like Siberian temperatures we're experiencing, perhaps. It feels like that because like <laughs> the windshield absolutely buckled me. Honestly, like you take a step outside and you feel like you breathe in and your your lungs freeze instantly. <laughs> it just collapse. Oh, like, honestly, like normally the cold doesn't really get to me. You know, I'm. Big enough boy to realise the cold will not hurt me, but this week has been a tough one. Yeah. What are we all drinking tonight, lads? I will go first. I'm actually on fittingly because McFall's on the podcast. I am on Ockles IPA. Oh, dude. I don't know yes. what it is. But it's a Manx brewery, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's maybe just the Isle of Man piss water, but it tastes. It actually tastes <laughs> quite nice. Is this the tenants of the Isle of Man you found? <laughs> I'm not really sure. McFall, is it, the, is it the tenants of the Isle of Man, or is it a bit classier than that? It's it's quite revered, but I'm not that big a fan, which isn't good to say, but it's, it's quite revered. <laughs> uh, but I could be lynched. I think I think I stole this one from you last time we met, and it is, it's got a weird kind of smoky taste to it that I'm not entirely a fan of. <laughs> yeah, can't have many of them. No. Smoky yeah. taste, that is bizarre. <laughs> it's got a smoky taste, um, but it is, brew- it is brewed to the Manx purity laws. Uh, since 1874, so I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming it hates Catholics. I mean, that's <laughs> that's correct. That's exactly oh, right. Controversial, but, but, but fun. Drinking um, straight from the Rockies to Coors, a nice bottle of Coors Light tonight, so fairly generic stuff, I'm afraid. It's, but... it's not even shit Coors, it's Coors Light, you Coor... absolute girl. Well, that, so if Van Damme drinks it, I'm drinking it, man. Come on, your muscles Van from Brussels. Well, yeah, including drinking fucking awesome <laughs> beer. Drink Coors Light. You're not getting a paycheck for drinking Coors Light. <laughs> I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting the, the alcoholic benefits of it, so I'll take my Coors Light. That's all right. Plus, it's all nice as I have in stock as well, so we're all good. Because people, people have like, lifted only alcohol to survive this storm. <laughs> St- stocked up in whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. Whiskey and Coors Light, apparently. Stu, what are you drinking? I'm on circadian rhythm, which is nice. Ooh, what's yeah, that? It's, Where's that from? It's, um... It's an IPA uh, from the Ringwood Brewery in Hampshire. Oh, uh, right. I know Ringwood. Uh, Ringwood do a few beers that I drink. They're a decent brewery. So yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's just called Circadian. Uh, it's an IPA. It's nice. It's got a, it's got some kind of hig on the front, so that's what drew me to the beer. And uh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I've had that one before, man. It's just it's all right. It's a nice beer. Yeah. Yeah. Decent. Right. On on to what we've seen or. <laughs> lack of what we've seen this week yes well first of all episode 37 fitting that we're doing episode 37 because anyone who's seen clerks knows that 37 is a very important number why I've forgotten why mm-hmm. you mm. talk about 37 the uh, number in clerks you shame me sir I do but now you need to tell me why it's the number of dicks that the young lady has sucked ah oh, fuck so it is right okay okay <laughs> 37 in a row <laughs> um, um, it seems a uh, somehow fitting with the the ordeal that Kevin Smith has been going through this week as exactly, well. Yeah. We should send out some love to Kev Smith because yeah. we asked him a 
we're doing this because we are obsessed with him, really, and that's, yeah. that's why we do that. I think the latest updates are he's, he's back home again, I believe, and he's, yeah, so he's resting. The, yeah, and he was doing, um, what was that, like a Facebook Live or a Bingy Live thing from his actual hospital bed, so yeah. clearly the man's out promoting himself, even when he has like, literally just been at death's door. He needs to go chill the fuck out, take a few weeks off, man, and just rest and, and get better, though. That's, that's Colin's worldly advice to you right there, Kevin Smith. Rest I mean, the fuck I, up. It was a terrifying day. When, when did this happen? Tuesday? Well, Monday? Uh, I think it was Sunday night it happened, and we found out on the yeah. Monday about it, yeah. Yeah, because Jill sent me a, t- a message at work that simply said Kevin Smith has had a heart attack, and I just simply freaked out because she didn't have any other follow up information to it whatsoever. And I think Stu might sent me a text roughly similar to that. It's like, people need yeah. to confirm things. <laughs> he is, he is not dead, still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Open it, that's with the opening gambit of. He is not dead, but... <laughs> Don't worry, Richard, it's okay, but... <laughs> I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle, it. I couldn't handle Tom Petty and Kev Smith going in the same six months. It would be too yeah. much. Yeah, no, no, no way. We've still, we've still got our Kevin, so we're okay. We're, we're fine with that. So we'll start what we've watched at home of late. Um, so, Carlos, what have you watched at home over the um, last few weeks? Over the past few weeks, um, I should have spoke about these last week during the Oscars special, but, but we just kind of lost track of time in that one. Um, recently I watched two two big Oscar winning films, um, I think they were anyway, um, which was Driving Miss Daisy. And <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy. Because me and Lorraine were just chilling. Yeah, but fucking let me finish. <laughs> me, <laughs> me and Lorraine were chilling out at home one night and we pretended to pick a few movies. I always picked a movie and Lorraine said, let's watch Driving Miss Daisy. And I said, cool, because I hadn't fucking seen it. And then after that we watched Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe as well. Which oh my God, you Which I've never seen. They were, they were fucking both really, really good films though. I properly really enjoyed them and you can see why they got all the kind of Oscar hype and stuff like that but, um, especially Fried Green Tomatoes I thought that was a really dark and kind of bleak and such a well well told story like almost in the same vein as To Kill a Mockingbird and it totally I was hooked man like completely fucking absorbed by it and I so regret that this has taken me so long to see such an amazing film okay. have you watched anything that came out in this decade this in the last week or so yeah I have <laughs> Um, I've watched um, c- carrying on with my, my, my Tom Hardy fucking now sordid fucking love affair I've up and down with him um, Peaky Blinders I'm still watching Peaky Blinders um, Tom's not been in it for a few weeks and I'm actually missing his character not been in Peaky Blinders um, so this could be a turnaround for Tom Hardy who knows but I've been watching Peaky Blinders again so that's me the, the, the final season on that uh, I've been Terms through that like, like no one's business because it's such good good TV. Um, and I'm it's, kind of... it's brilliant, dude. I totally agree. Yeah, it's amazing. It's how good. Have you watched it all? Yeah, 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 I've watched it all. Right, so I'm, I'm just kind of up to halfway through the last season, and just Jesus, man, the amount of stuff that happens and it just builds up and shit explodes and just kicks off in a way you can't imagine. It's fucking insane. I love the um, star quality in it because you've you've got real big hitters in there. Yeah, and... totally. Yeah. Yeah, like Adrian Brody and Cillian Murphy together. There's some fantastic scenes between those two. Yeah. Um, final season, and obviously Tom Hardy as well. So yeah, good Tom. to see that uh, you're starting to appreciate a bit of Hardy. Maybe. No, I, I do. Appre- I can appreciate him. Um, it's just it's, he's got to be doing a certain type of role before I can kind of appreciate him more. Yeah, he has to be super Jewish for you to. I think when he's, I think when he's doing his Uber Cockney, like um, when he done the craze as well, I didn't mind him mm-hmm. so much in the craze because he was playing a character so far removed from Tom Hardy, and I think yeah. it's the same way Alfie Solomon's. It's such a character that you kind of start to disassociate Tom Hardy, and it becomes this living, breathing character, and I think that's why that's why I like it so much. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm. Tell me when you watch that. Tell me when you watch the Dark Knight Rise. You think that Tom Hardy is Bane? No, he's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
No, he's not, he's not. He's fucking terrible in that. That's just bad. Every level. No, I like the. I like his being. I enjoy his being. No, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about when he's being. It he could I be like saying anything. I like the voice. I like. I like the, the, where the voice comes from. And I like. I like. I like. Actually, quite. That's the only thing in that film I actually generally really like all the way through. Is Bane. Bane? And that's no. biggest, yeah, it, and it, I hate the way they dispose of Bane at the end. It seems like a, a lazy way of ending the character. Awful ending for him. Awful. Yeah. yeah. He was. He deserved more. He deserved better. Yeah. Yeah, but he yeah, could. His accent is just. He could read out the shop and in a gym. It doesn't matter what he's saying. You just don't fucking understand sure. it. It's. I think you need to have your ears checked because I could hear everything he said. I was quoting it for like a, I was quoting it for like two weeks after. Like I wouldn't stop quoting. I was only talking like vain paragraphs. No, he's you can, it, very obvious. What you're doesn't work for me at all. So I'm afraid. It's, it's right, very so hard Vicky Blaine's been taking up all your time, then. Yes. Um, not all my time, but a fair, a fair amount of it. And and it's you should watch it as well, Richard. That this show has no, got it, your name all over it. It is on my list of things to watch that I will one day eventually get to at some point. I think maybe about 2022. 20, um, <laughs> I will. I will. Layer into the Piggy Blinkers. Oh, so um, you, you been watching at home anything of interest? Uh, yeah, I watched um, I Tonya last night. Uh, and how was it? Was, oh god, really, really poor man. Really? Well, yeah. Initially, I thought it would just be generic biopic, and you know, with some good performances. But it's I wouldn't even say it's that. I I, I thought it was very languid. Um, really. <sighs> Yeah, just interminable at times and really poorly written just under under flesh characters I mean everyone Alison Janney looks like she's nailed on for the best supporting actress and she is very good in it mm-hmm. but at the same time I, I feel as if it's because she's such a, a memorable character you know, she's so acerbic and uh, funny but also completely awful that she sticks in the mind of the the viewer um, yeah. seems, to, seems to be a bit of a trend really with, with the um the front runners for the Oscars, obviously, you guys talked about this a lot last week, but you look at Oldman, um, and they're, they're all great performances, don't we wrong? Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. and Alison Janney, they're all performances full of bluster, and they're very memorable um, extrovert characters, yet there's no kind of room or wiggle room for real nuanced performance, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's, it's, an, it's, it's almost if you could if you could call in an Oscar performance yeah. that these are people who get it, they get it for doing certain things. You can either play someone, either you know, some, play someone who's real who's had trauma yeah. or someone who's these, it's that kind of thing of like, if you can play that or if you can shout really loudly, yes. and that sometimes is mistaken as intensity and his emotion yeah that, that exactly and, and you can and that's what it's kind of what oscar looks for it's like oh my god they're so intense it's like all they're kind of doing is shouting sometimes mm. um i don't know if that's what alice and yanni's doing this, this now or just the idea of alice and yanni being someone she's not yeah. you know because we all watch the west wing we all love alice and yanni because yeah. she kind of like this awesome cool cg craig and since then she means also like everyone's kind of mum almost yes um, and, and, and she's probably, yeah she's the antithesis to that in this so that's probably why it stands out and you know she's really do a look in and it, they, it doesn't look anything like her so she's they love that as well when when someone's unrecognizable don't they yeah, um, yeah any sort of physical transformation will always get yeah. down what it was i mean i um, we hadn't seen it at the time of talking last week but margot robbie she earned her oscar nod for this not, not for me i i don't think she's done anything wrong um i think she's working with a really weak script a, a really a lazy script a script that's trying to do that kind of whip smart quick fast-paced flashback talking head slash breaking the fourth wall thing that has been done yeah. a million times but it's been done better so many times 
Yeah. It's kind of trying to be a bit good fellasy, and it just comes across a bit naff. So she isn't working with much, to be fair. I I like her. I, I think she's she's normally pretty good, Margot Robbie. But I don't think it's I don't think it's Oscar worthy. That's I mean, it's interesting. Mention the script. I've been looking at who the scriptwriter was. A guy called Stephen Rogers. Why does he go by Steve Rogers? I don't know, but you know he's Stephen Rogers. <laughs> um, his previous credits are Stepmom, Hope Floats, Kate and Leopold, P.S. I Love You, Christmas with oh. the Coopers, I, I Tonya. So it's, it seems like he's got a kind of niche in the sort of rom com kind of that kind of vein, and then all of a sudden this is almost like a, not quite a breakout, but it's sort of like a departure from what he normally would do. Yeah, it, it is. It is a departure from that. Um, but it's yeah. I, I just I found it very. A, a real slog. It was two hours long, 40 yeah. minutes in, I was thinking, fucking hell, where's this going? Because the thing is, you yeah. know the story as well. So to a degree, you know the story. Um, but you're just not interested. You're just not interested at all. Um, the shame uh, the guys who directed it um, is a guy called, I'm just getting the name this now for you, it's a guy called Craig Gillespie. Have you heard of the guy before? No. No, who is I it? I think so. I think one, I think one you like called Lars and the Real Girl. He directed that. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And he did um, the remake of Fright Night, which I actually quite enjoyed. I know Carl did not enjoy that. Yeah, not that, that was okay. Um, he did... Is he an Aussie guy? Is he an Aussie He's guy? an Aussie boy, yeah. He done yeah. Million, Dollar, million Dollar Arm as well, the one with um, John Hamm. John Hamm. That was all right. Going to India to find the cricket players to play baseball. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just a proper Disney sports film. It knows what it's doing with, like, you know, within its own like, sort of little template. Yeah. He done one of me and you quite like last year calls. He called The Finest Hours. Remember the one about the boat? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was, that was quite good as well. Uh, Dunkirk one, that one. Oh, no, no the one with Chris Pine. Yeah. Chris Pine. Uh, Casey Affleck as well, yeah. He plays the captain. Yeah, the Chris Pine, Casey Affleck, and Williams. Everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So he does, he's done not bad in terms of, like, sort of, he's, he's work in the past. So, mm-hmm. And he obviously got a lot of plaudits for this one, but you think, you know, maybe not deserved. I, d- I don't think so. I mean, I was kind of rooting for it because I thought it's quite an interesting story and she's a fascinating character. What would have been interesting is if they focused a bit more past the the event, you know, because she yeah. ended up having quite a bizarre little life. Wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like um, she was a boxer for a bit, which it touches on for about a minute. But that, <laughs> that was surreal. She was a boxer for a period of time as well. And I think she was... Yeah, on reality TV and into drugs. You don't have the original. She was not one of the ones that did the original celebrity sex tape or something as well. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's right as well. Yeah. Does it mention? Yeah, like, does it mention that in the movie? No. no, no mention that in the movie. Yeah. No, it's it, it's all very yeah, biopic by numbers, but not as good. You know, like Imitation Game, uh, like Ray Walk the Line, things like that. Where it's very generic and you know where it's going. Yeah. It's like it's akin to that, and there's no surprises. But at least those films, they were well done and solidly um, executed. It just felt that this one just didn't grab my attention at all. And actually, Alison Janney isn't in it very much at all. Like she's she's in it for about the first forty minutes, forty five minutes, and then the film kind of really flags after that, and she's barely in it at all until the last ten fifteen. It explains to me, you know, but supporting actress, that's what, that's what she's yes. been billed yeah. as, and that's what she is. So, anything else, apart from I, what, I'd give I Tonya a 10. Sorry, what would you wrap them uh, uh, in? Four. 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 Yeah. Oh. Wow, man, that's um, that's a low score, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, I the lowest scored Oscar nominee, apart from Colin's ridiculous two-star nomination for Dunkirk. <laughs> Outrageous. Outrageous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Anything <laughs> else of interest you watched um, this week, Stuart? Yes, uh, I watched um, a couple of flicks that have been recommended by um, by yourselves. Uh, I finally got around to them. I watched uh, the Florida Project, uh, which was yeah. fantastic. Really, really good. Just, just it was warmer than I expected. I yeah. expected it to rip my heart out more, but it didn't rip my heart out often. But when it did, it fucking went for it. <laughs> so yeah. um, that that kind of washed over me. It was a really it, it, there's no kind of narrative structure to that film at all, is nah, there? So it's, it's just drops in. There's life go, you know, and you work it out, you catch up with it and fucking figure out what's happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we, you, you guys have touched on it before, I think. Um, I can't remember what film it was, but it's really testament to a director when they can, like Spielberg does it brilliantly, when you can get a performance out of kids. I think basically you're just tricking them so they're not aware they're even in a film. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what it felt like. Um, yeah, kids fantastic. Uh, it's it's very, very sweet film. Kids were all so natural, weren't they? Just like you're saying, oh, it's yeah. like it was kids being kids, being filming kids, yeah. and not kids acting for the camera. Um, it's absolutely exactly. Yeah. Yeah, perfectly put. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I'd like to see Villain Defoe win. That would be cool. For that. Yeah. Was ace. Yeah. Um, and I watched uh, Colossal as well, which Richard raved about um, last year, and it was in his top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know too much about that. But that is. That blew me away, man. That was one of the most original films I've seen in a long time. I was so impressed with Colossal. Well deserving of the plaudits. It's a lot yeah, of fun, but good... dark as well, isn't it? It's really, really dark, but... but yeah. oh, the final half hour of that is, like, is, is like the darkest thing you've ever like, one of the darkest you've ever seen. Yes. It all ramps up towards the end. And uh-huh. so, everyone I've spoke to who's seen that film and who I've recommended to who has eventually watched it has absolutely loved it. But it got almost no buzz and no... <laughs> No, no attention whatsoever. It's all, it feels like it's one of those films that should got should have gotten way more attention than it did. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. I think you can't pitch, you can't pigeonhole it, can you? So I think that's probably well, that's if you look at the poster. The poster once you've seen the film does give away a big plot point, but you wouldn't know that from watching the poster straight away. And the first trailers I saw for it, they don't really give much away as to what the film is going to be about. Uh-huh. So if you that's try and explain this, and also one of the films where the, the less you explain about this film the better it is, because I mean, I was trying to explain it to you and to Sean, like, what it's about without actually telling you what it's about, because as soon as you mention what it is, you can expect a certain thing from it. Yes, yeah. 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 And the less you know about this film, I think, the, the more you get out from it, because there's some characters in that film that do things you've never seen them do before, Anne Hathaway, I think, was excellent in it. Was. Um, so, and I thought Sudeikis was just phenomenal in it, he played he a was, role. He was incredible, I mean, if, if you're talking about um, I, Tonya, then those pair being up for Oscars, He's, he should yeah. have been the best supporting for that. Should have been, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's not a single fall in his performance there, and he pitches it perfectly, and it's one of the ones people always put him down as a comedy actor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he is, and he does to a great, you know, to, to great wealth, obviously, but he obviously has got something about him that can that he, has, he can go to, to interest and depth. And on a similar note, I'll get to a guy later on in a film I watch who can do you know similar things as well. Um, but yeah, it's a real nice to see a, a good comedy actor you know who can turn on the the, the drama like that. Yeah. 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 I, re- I really enjoyed that. So that, that's what I've watched, really, dude. How about yourself? Um, I, well, because I've been off for two days straight, obviously I've watched everything um, because <laughs> I've got better to do right now um, and we can't go outside. Um, so I watched a film um, Sorcerer, I watched. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which is a William Friedkin movie that I've never seen before. And I think it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's been lost to the ages, but it seems like it's prints of it were quite hard to find for a long time and it didn't really get many screenings and I don't think it was on Blu-ray until or DVD even until maybe the last 
three or four months, or even last six months. Yeah. Um, essentially, it's a film about uh, three guys trying to take trucks across the, I think it's Peruvian jungle, maybe the Brazilian jungle, one of the, a jungle somewhere. Um, and it's three trucks full of nitroglyceride that's leaking. So any sort of major bump will just blow these things up. And as you can imagine, obviously, trying to get through a jungle is not the easiest thing to do. Um, and it's just the, the story of these three guys trying to take three trucks. Um, but it's basically it's sort of like it's Freakin's Heart of Darkness. It's, it's Freakin's Apocalypse. Now, he was filming this, I think, at the same time that Coppola was doing Apocalypse Now. Oh, wow. Or just slightly after that. So at that time, yeah. Yeah, you see that. It's, I think it, it ran majorly over budget. It, it had all the same problems that Apocalypse Now had, and it was like buried by the studio. I'm sure it maybe released it the same week as maybe Star Wars or something like that. Right. Um, like <laughs> a massive release came out the same week as it, and that pretty much killed it. Um, but if you get a chance to watch it, I think film four I've shown it quite a lot over the last like few few weeks. Um, it's a particularly good film. Who's in it? Who's in it? I am going to. I've now forgot. Uh, Roy Schneider. He's the main. He's the right, main guy in it. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, it, it starts and it's all in French. So people obviously thought they were going to get like a, a some sort of foreign film, and it's it's a very odd movie. You're watching it, and it's sort of it's it's. It's, it screams of what the era it's in, you know, it feels very 70s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I very much enjoyed it. Some great visual moments in it, especially the bit in the poster you'll see with the, the truck going across the, the kind of rocky bridge. Um, that's, a, that's a really cracking set piece. But, it, um, yeah, it's definitely worth seeing. Is it very high drama? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it just, it's all tension as well, mm. you know, because they don't, you know, it's just, they're not so much falling out with each other, it's just it's the tension of the situation they're in, you know, of trying to, you know, do this completely stupid task. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Kermode has called it um, an unheralded masterpiece. Would you go that far? I would, yeah, I would. I would definitely agree with that. It's one of those films that you, you don't hear enough about, but you watch and you go. You can see why guys who have been doing films recently are, are, have talked about it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure we heard Danny Vilnu talk about it. I think I even heard Adam Wingard, the guy who did um, You're Next in Green Room. Not oh, Green Room. Right. Yeah, okay. uh, the guests and stuff they've talked about it as well just this film it just it shows you know what tension can be built and I think yeah. I even heard Spielberg talk about it at one point you know so it's a film you can you can see why filmmakers like love it because it's got a lot going on in it cool I need to watch yeah, it if it track it down in film four yeah it's on film four another film four one I watched last night was one called Killing Ground which is an Aussie horror thriller which um, I'm not going to say much about it because I don't want to ruin the story for you but basically it's like I'm it's sort of your typical Aussie in-the-outback rape-murder story, which we obviously know happens every time you go into the Aussie outback, but it's totally <laughs> really interesting. It's totally like in a cool dual, dual timeline way, so you're seeing things unfold at the same time you're seeing the the, the second story unfold, and it all kind of... It's, just, it's, like, it's a standard Aussie... It's a standard like, sort of like, like kind of horror movie like that. It's just told in a different way, and I can, I can appreciate it for that. It's actually, and then the acting in it is actually better than you see in most of those types of films, which which actually helped to bring that above a level. Any, um, it's not... Any big names? I don't, I don't know who the actors are. I don't know who the actors are, right. but they were definitely better than your standard, you know, slasher, thriller, mm-hmm. horror. It, is it as reliably violent as we come to expect from Aussie horror? <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it, there's stuff with a baby in it, and it's like, it's, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Yeah. You know, it has that kind of Aussie thing of, we, we're going to be a lot... if. You know, American horror does this. We're going to push it a little bit further, and be that little bit grittier, dirtier, and more punk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I always really appreciate. It. I've got a, I've got a lot of love for Aussie cinema. Um, 
it, Killing Ground definitely has is in that vein of of really interesting, like sort of just, just like I said, it's not doing anything different. But I, I, sorry, it's doing the same story, just doing it in a slightly different twist on it, and sometimes <coughs> the twist makes it interesting. You know, it makes it more watchable than just seeing the same Wolf Creek esque story yes. again, again, again. Which nothing wrong with Wolf Creek. But it's now been aped about a hundred times. It has been aped so yeah. much, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's almost a genre of its own now, that kind of film. So exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. The other one I watched was a really good one, really good documentary on Amazon called Happy Valley. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Yep. yep. It's a college where um, the college is like sort of, he's got a revered coach, and it's a, he had assistant coach who was abusing children, and after the trial is finished for him and he gets sent to jail for like a thousand years for you know for what he did it comes out that the, the head coach everyone loves and reveres and thinks he's the greatest guy on the planet either knew about it or turned a blind eye to it you know reported it once but then done nothing else and so I just insisted that you know he did what he had he did what he could do which was to tell someone about it and then took no further action on it you know didn't sack the guy didn't try and step in at any point just allowed it to happen and just accepted this was happening in his under his watch Jesus. and it's sort of yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's less about the guy; it's more about the how the town reacts to it. You know, because it's it's sort of when you hold people up as like sort of um, saint figures, you know, these sort of yeah. heroes, and they do falter. Because this guy, listen to this: the guy who's who the, the hero of the story or the hero of the town was, he didn't do anything to abuse children. He didn't do anything. There's no, there's no, it's not, not a Jimmy Savile situation. He didn't mm-hmm. touch any. There's nothing even question about that. But it's the fact he turned a blind eye to it or you know or didn't do what he could have done to stop it you know you know how much does that bring them down your estimation you know about you know you know who they are as a person and can you still hold them in the same regard yeah and And the impact on that that has on the community as well i suppose well yeah it's like you know and and the the town for what it's worth they've actually they've kind of went the full hog with it and sort of almost the universities try to distance themselves as much as possible from the man because they feel now that the image is tainted and anyone who wears it punished by him. Yeah. yeah. Same Penn State on it will be well, the first question you'll have is someone who says I had a Penn State T-shirt and it was oh remember that thing that happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the fans and the, and the fans of the college and the fans of the team they still revere this guy and they still want be, they still want the, the town to hold him up in the same reverence they had in the past. It's kind of not dissimilar to the thing that happened in the nineties with like, the Celtic Football Club. So the idea of like someone of, of such a high stature, turning you know might have known about something that was going yeah. on under his watch, and how does a club react to that? Does the club then decide okay we're going to now expunge this man from our records and not deal with him? Or do we in fact name a stand after him, you know, and still hold on to it? it yeah. it's, it's sort of questions of how, what way will, you know, will people go with it? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, really interesting. It's not a happy watch by any stretch, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, no. a, definitely <laughs> a tough one, um, but definitely a worthwhile watch. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and the last thing I've watched, like, kind of by myself, that we're not going to really discuss, only myself can discuss, and we'll get onto our stuff later on that we can all discuss, was a Richard Linklater film called Last Flag Flying. Oh yes, very excited about this. Can't believe it didn't yeah. get a cinema release. Crazy. It got a very basic cinema release down down in sort of like key cities, I believe it's called, which basically means London. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, it's Richard Linklater's like, like follow up to Everybody Wants Some. Yeah, it's called Everybody Gets Some. Yeah, that one. Um, it stars Steve Carell. I always forget his name. He's in Breaking Bad. The main guy in Breaking Brian Bad. Cranston. Brian Cranston and Larry Fishburne. They're three veterans who are trying to get the body of Steve Carell's son, who was killed in Iraq. They're, they're, they're three Marines as well. 
and are trying to get his body from the airbase to the home cemetery where they can so they can bury the body. Um, and it's like sort of the the mall try to come, like the father try to come Steve Carell the father try to come to terms with that. He's two friends trying to deal with that and also something that happened to them while they were also in Vietnam as well. Um, it's just it's Linklater doing what Linklater does best. He's talking about everything but also talking about nothing at the same time. Yeah. You've just seen three really great actors do really great acting. You know, I mentioned Sudeikis earlier on, what, what he can do. If you watch Steve Carell, Steve Carell might be one of the greatest actors of the last 20 years when you watch him do stuff like this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely an actor. And it's amazing this guy came from, like, The Daily Show doing stupid skits. And then you watch him in Anchorman. And Anchorman, for what, you know, it's a comedy, but he's doing a performance in that film, you know, that no one else is really on the same level as. Totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 He has got the base of being a great actor. You watch something like Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the one he was in recently, actually, the tennis one? Um, Battle of the Sexes, yeah, yeah. I thought, it was a fant- I thought it was a fantastic performance by him in that film. Again, he, he brought life to that person and he made him in some way sympathetic, even though he shouldn't be sympathetic in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, and then you watch something like Look My Sunshine. You know, Steve Carell has got so much range and so much <laughs> um, pathos to his, his delivery, his sort of characterization yeah. of stuff. It's a, he's a fantastic actor. And this showcase, he barely stuff a word in this whole film. He is a sort of silent guy in the film. But everything is communicated through his eyes and through his demeanour, and it's it's really is wonderfully done. Could you could you make a case that he's the finest kind of comic comedian turned thespian since Robin Williams? I definitely that's what that's a, that's where I put him in, you know, because yeah. it's if you watch Robin Williams do you know Goodwill Hunting, which I think is one of the best performances of any actor, you know, yeah. and, and, and then you watch Carell do this, you can definitely see parallels between the two of them. They can they can do this. Um, and they always say comedians, comedians can make good actors because they know tragedy as much as they know comedy. And if you can be funny, you can also be serious. Indeed, Bill Murray as well. Yeah. Well, Murray can do it as well. Bill Murray can do it. Even Dan Aykroyd can do it as well. You know, Dan Aykroyd is a really oh, funny yeah. guy. He, he can totally. do uh, comedy. Pryor could could do comedy as well, and obviously yeah. do comedy. But he can also do drama as well. You know, see, so you know, if, sometimes it's easier for a comedian to do drama than it is for a dramatic actor to do comedy. Yeah. You know? yeah. Do you think? Uh, yeah. Do you think Tom Hanks wins the crown for this one overall? You're just quickly in that subject of comedy actors turning serious. Think Tom Hanks is the the, king? the difference with Hanks. And I'm not going to say about against Hanks. Hanks has basically changed from comedy to only do the serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Carell can stuff he wants to can knock out a comedy really well. But he's still doing like, like despicable me and stuff like that as well, isn't he? So he's still yeah, yeah. he done that with Tina Fey when he played like the, the date night or something it was called. Yeah. The, the, the couple out yeah. the night out and all goes to shit. He was doing that at the same time he was filming Foxcatcher and stuff like that. You know, see, so he can still do a kind of, can do both. Yeah. Hanks is like complete, almost completely left his comedy Hanks behind. It's been a while. We just want comedy Hanks back, don't we? We just want comedy Hanks for one day. But just for one movie, yeah, that'd be. Just for a movie, Tom. The verbs too. Come on. Anything, just bring back that because again, Hanks is a great comedy actor. Like he can, comic timing is absolutely perfect. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be nice to see him to bring that back. But yeah, if you can get a chance to find Last Flag Fine, it's on Amazon. Um, it's just a beautiful story. It's just so much heart and so much warmth to it. There's something Link Later does better than pretty much anyone else. Yeah. Is, it uh, a, is, it, is it a road trip, maybe? Yeah, essentially it's a road trip. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Essentially what it is. Right, cool, cool. Just wondering. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, I love Richard Link Later. always work. It's, 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 it's always... Something the themes are similar, but it's just done in such a beautiful way. 
He's, um, he's such a singular director, isn't he? He just has such a singular vision. Every film he, he does, you know, it's Linklater, don't you? He, yeah, and as much as, you know, and he also, he allows actors to, you know, to do their yes. own thing, but, but it feels scripted sometimes, but it's obviously not sometimes, and it just way you can yeah. find, I'm, I don't know how they've done it, but I'm assuming they've maybe done the film for, you know, five or six weeks, and they're, and they're cutting this down to something, or maybe they, maybe they rehearse beforehand, so to the point where they know exactly what they're going to do it. I, I really don't know what he's, his methods seem to differ from film to film, it gets the best out of people. You very really see a link later film. You go, that was a bad film, or that was you know a bad performance or anything. He seems to know how to get the best out of of people, and he definitely gets the best. I mean, these guys are all great actors, but he gets even more than you would expect out of them. He lets it breathe, doesn't he? Sorry. Uh, sorry. Yeah, he lets. Uh, he gives lots of space in films and lets that lets. There's a sense of letting everything breathe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like a guy who'd be, who'd be good to work. You know, actors would enjoy working with. You know, he seems to like. You know, actors would like to that, that uh-huh. space and that freedom. You know, he's not like some guys who are wanting specific scenes and specific moments and it's you know berated into them. You know, he seems like he will let the camera roll. He will let things unfold. He will just it's and because of that, even though this one is definitely more scripted than say, anybody wants some or even or obviously Boyhood, Boyhood. or used or Slacker. It yeah. still feels like you're watching real life to a great yeah. degree. You know, it still feels that like you are, and not quite intruding because you're always kept at a distance. But you feel you're involved in these people's lives. And you're just you're just watching, and it's not again. It's a bit like Florida Project. You're not watching their whole life. You're not watching some major development. All you're watching is three days. It's a you snapshot, know, isn't it? Yeah. A little glimpse. Three people, you know, who are just living this like this this moment and trying their best to, to live this moment. So yeah, if you get a chance to find it, watch it. It's fantastic. I loved it. Cool. Look out for that one. Um, yeah. uh, Richards. On to some cinematic stuff. One that was out in cinema recently that I saw, Stu saw as well. Colin, you refused to go and see it because you are a, a, Phyllis, a Philistine. Yeah. Philistine. <laughs> shit with explosions on it and apparently driving people around now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say anything <laughs> bad about fucking driving Miss Daisy. It was a beautiful film. So it was beautiful. I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, We've got the Phantom Three, which is a new film from Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. directed obviously There Will Be Blood, uh, Punch Drunk Love, Boogie Nights, Magnolia. Anything else I'm missing, Stu? You're, you're a bigger fan than I am of. Uh, the Master and Inherent Vice. I think that's it. Covered. Master and Inherent Vice. Yes. Um, I missed out the Inherent Vice on purpose. I thought it was an absolutely awful movie. Did you? I, I really enjoyed. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. Anyway, well, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I was a big fan. It is. Floatiest, least cohesive film, so it, it doesn't yeah. feel. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good watch, but it's not in the same league as his other stuff. I don't think. Yeah, I, I didn't buy it at all. Um, this film, Phantom Thread, is about a fashion designer. Um, I believe a fictional fact. He's not. He's not real. Is he? he's not. No, no, he's not real. Maybe they're based on certain people in, yes. in history, but he's not an actual real person. Yeah. Um, so played by Daniel Day Lewis, the gentleman's name in it is Reynolds Woodcock, which is a Quite phenomenal name, really um, and basically he, the fashion designer living in London, is it London? Yes, London, yes, yeah, London. Yes. Um, and essentially takes sort of a, a muse under his wing, and it's just sort of exploring their relationship as as she begins to sort of realise her value to him, and he realises how much he relies on her to a degree, and that's kind of it. Yes. Now, make, yeah, it, no, boys, you need to make this fucking interesting because right. no. <laughs> right, it, it's one of them that is pretty much plotless, isn't it? Um, yeah, very much so. Yeah, 
it's but it's it's one of the, you see the trailer and I'm a massive Paul Thomas Anderson fan but I remember texting Richard after seeing the trailer I was like I will watch this because it's Day Lewis and it's Paul Thomas Anderson but this looks a struggle mm. um, yeah but it's it's it looks kind of period dramery it's, mm-hmm. it's post post World War Two London so it's kind of um, it's got that kind of grim feel about it but then you're in this little bubble where you're basically trapped in their existence. One house almost. The whole film is in my set in one house. Mm. Yeah, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, trailer, the trailer seemed to me like it was quite a pretentious film. So, that's... But, it, but it, it's... I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson is by nature someone who is quite high-end when it comes to arty films, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think I think actually this is far more classic in nature. Yeah, it I'm... feels more classic to me. I found it less pretentious than I really expected. And I actually went into this film not quite dreading it because I never I don't really often dread a film unless it's called Bay and Watch. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna watch that tonight then. <laughs> <laughs> I yelled at someone I yelled at someone at work on Monday about Bay Watch. Um I'm rightly but, so. Um I I, I don't know, something you got in a film and you feel like you, you feel you need to watch it because you have to watch it, you feel it's important to watch it, but yes. you're not expecting to enjoy it in any way, you know. Some some of the yeah. tense Malik stuff like that, you know, you're going to go, I want to see this, I know it's important, I know it means something, but I'm not expecting to enjoy the next two and a half hours of my life, I'm thinking, oh, oh, that that was important. I had the same feeling going into silence, you know, the Martin Scorsese one, much the same way, you know, like, like, this is important to see, but I don't know what I'm going to get out of it. I got a shit ton out of this, I actually really, really enjoyed it, It, uh, way more than I've enjoyed pretty much every single Paul Paul Thomas Anderson film, apart from There Will Be Blood, which I really enjoy, obviously, Um, but the rest of them, I can almost take or leave them, I'm not... (laughs) I'm not convinced by genius um, that some people, like a lot of people are. Um, I yeah, really dug it. I thought the perform- like Daniel Day-Lewis, I thought was excellent because he's Daniel Day-Lewis. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, his, it's not his wife, is it, Leslie Manville? She's not his wife, is she? The, no, Leslie Manville is the sister. Ah, sorry, sister. But she works as an assistant. She's like sort of yeah. his manager yeah. or something. She yeah, was also... Yeah, she's incredible. Um, and then Vicky Creeps is even another level up, isn't she? Yeah, she plays the kind of young muse, and she is yeah. how she's been overlooked for Oscars. I will not know because she is absolutely. James, because she's done... standing shoulder to shoulder with Day Lewis, that that she he's so he's fucking Day Lewis. It, it just kind of overshadows and. No, I, that's that's the thing about it. She doesn't. She's not been in a lot in the past, but she goes toe to toe with Day Lewis, and she does oh, not yeah. come out bad at all. She comes out. <laughs> You know, on a par from she she takes them yeah. at your mm-hmm. game and does, and does it fantastically well. Well, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, the the genius of it is, I think, in a way, because because she's so unknown and her character is so beguiling and mysterious, that adds another layer. You know, you're not watching yep. it going like with Day Lewis. You're watching it going Day Lewis. This is mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. But with her going, I don't know who you are in any sense. So that just adds to the kind of mystique. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes in surprising directions i think you could compare it to there will be blood it's it's a very very different film but in the sense that it just it's got this building unsettling feeling and you're, you're thinking i don't know where this is going where is this going to a dark place it it's it's you're not quite sure where it's going in a sense it's i found it actually not dissimilar to mother in many ways yeah 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 totally like you know it's you know what you, you, you assume it's going somewhere but you really, like you say, you don't really know what it's going to. It's like, because it's, you get a bit at the start when he's always, at the bit of the start of the film, you've got his other muse. He obviously, and he's kind of, he basically says, I'm bored of you. 
at breakfast yes. one morning. Yes. And then he goes to a hotel, and then he meets this other girl, and actually becomes his new mate. So you feel there is a point where he's going to get bored of her yeah. as well, but that doesn't really seem to happen. He seems to be like, the more she beguiles him, the more sort of infatuated and sort of interesting becomes with, with, um, yeah. with, with her. Well, um, I think it might have been on the, the Guardian or some. I think it might have been even one of the guys on Empire basically said it's basically a it's basically Fifty Shades of Grey but in the brain. It's all it's a, it's like mental BDSM. Uh, they're yeah, both yeah. trying to each other as much as like they both want to mess with each other's brains, oh, and they're yeah. just trying who's coming out on top. Like they need to fight for each other breakfast. And they both so, need that. He's never had that, so uh-huh. he's. I mean, he alludes to it really early on with a conversation with. Um, his sister saying how much he misses his mother so he's obviously yep. got this kind of he's he's a tempestuous genius and he's surrounded by yes men he's creating these fantastic clothes and dresses and everybody's telling him what a great guy he is what a genius he is and he's this kind of spoilt motherless man-child brat um and initially you think it's going to be a story of how he's the mad genius and she's the subservient wench and he's going to push her around and it's going to be almost like mental domestic abuse but actually, she more than holds her own, and actually, he needs someone to be a match for him in that regard, and she yep. becomes something all together, together more powerful and more controlling over him than ever, and he ends up needing this kind of mother figure, I think, in a really fucked up way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, let's look at the Oscar like nominees for Best Picture. Everything else in it I've seen apart from... I've not seen Call My Name, I've not seen Lady Bird yet. Um... But everything else I went into, I sort of knew what to expect from it. Like, I know what to expect from Darkest Hour, I knew what to expect from Dunkirk and Get Out. Three Billboards could have been so hype, hyped and Shape of Water in the post. I kind of I knew what I was getting from them to, to a great degree. Yeah. I didn't know what to get from Phantom Thread. And what I got from it, I was, I was really surprised by it, but I actually very much enjoyed. Um, yeah. I thought it was, the soundtrack I thought was fantastic. And I don't, I'm not, you might know better than me who the soundtrack was done by. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, Johnny Greenwood, who's the guitarist in Radiohead. I'm a massive Radiohead fan, but he um, he's been working with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for a few films now, so I think he's been nominated. He was nominated for There Will Be Blood as well. So yeah, uh, I think it's, the soundtrack a was soundtrack. it's a jaunty soundtrack at times. Yeah, it, a, yeah. But it, it fits almost like period drama, jaunty orchestral stuff. But then oh. it, it's the it's the absence of the soundtrack that's more pronounced because it's during those big tense scenes, like the probably it's going to be the infamous scene comparable to the oil scene and there will be blood was the asparagus scene i suppose they'll start yeah. calling um in phantom Fred. and it's just deathly silence and you're thinking oh it's one of the few times i haven't heard the soundtrack so this is a bit unsettling yeah. where's this going so um the, the absence of the soundtrack was as pronounced as as the music being there i think yeah um so out of 10 Stu? that's a solid nine for me definitely thank yeah. you uh, i'm going i'm going with seven uh, like i thought it was excellent um, but there is still stuff about it that left me cold. Um, the length of it as well, I thought it was, it was it touched just over two hours, wasn't it? Yeah, just over. Yeah. So again, I, I mean, I'm always a, I'm always a fan of putting a film down more if you can. I felt there's stuff in there that didn't need to be done. Um, and yeah, yeah, but other than that, I thought. I mean, it's it, again, it's not a film I think I'm going to go back to very often. Uh-huh. I can't see myself sitting down one night and watching it, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. That's, that, I'm happy with that with you, with a Paul Thomas Anderson. I'll take that as a win. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I, I know, what about, is it going to be his last film? He's saying he's, he's retired now, yeah? Do you think well, that... He is a dressmaker now. He's become a dressmaker, hasn't he? Because he goes so method. Um, Has he? Is, 
I believe so. Jesus. I don't know if Ricky might be able to back that up. But... That is insane. I, I, I got a feeling he'll be dragged out by someone eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Possibly PTA, because obviously what we have in the past, they seem to enjoy working with him. They're a very good, close relationship with each other. Um, Cole brothers, that's what I would say. Cole could pull him. I mean, even somebody like, I don't know, maybe a Denis Villeneuve could maybe do something with him. Maybe could pull yeah. him out of, you know, yeah. somebody like that. Someone with an, a director with a unique and singular vision that that could collaborate with him, I think, would be something. That, I, mean, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the most always one of Spielberg maybe get him out of retirement again because obviously, after Lincoln, you mm-hmm. know, he, he seemed to really, in, in, you know, enveloped with that role. Um, but I, as much as you say it's the last one, I get a feeling. He yeah. might still come out. I mean, like, maybe, maybe eight or nine years down the line from now. Brief time, we'll see but him again. And he was never we'll prolific anyway, was he? Yeah. He was hardly prolific, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, I mean, I mean? if he doesn't come back, would you say this was a fitness one song then for him? I think Lincoln's yeah. a more fitness one song. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I It's the, one of the few films he's actually not been the standout performer, even though he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You can't fault his performance. It's, it's incredible. I, I yeah. As good as Oldman is in Darkest Hour, I'd love to see Day-Lewis win for a more nuanced performance in this, but it's just because Lincoln is... It, it, I don't know. How many Day-Lewis performances are there? There's like four or five ahead of this, unfortunately. <laughs> but still fantastic. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, but next on the, the viewing list... This in the docket is a Netflix original mm-hmm. um, called Mute. Yeah. Which was directed by Duncan Jones. Colin, do you know who Duncan Jones is? Duncan Jones is the son of David Bowie, um, more famously known for, uh, yeah, right, uh, for last year's disaster, which was um, Warcraft. So Warcraft, was, he, did, he also did Moon, which was, fanat- which was fantastic. Is Moon his only good film? No, he's yeah. done Source Code as well. Right, okay, that's two, yeah. So, Moon is great, Source Code I think is an underrated, an underrated gem, I think it's a crackingly good sci-fi movie. Yeah. yeah. Warcraft is a steaming pile of mess, to be honest, you know, there's, yeah. there's ideas there, there's world building there, but ultimately it is a mess of a movie. Just too much, too big, and not enough time to do it all in, maybe, I don't know. Actually, yeah, I mean, if you it's the same thing we talked about before. If you're going to try and set up a world and a universe, make the first one good before we give you a universe, you know? Yeah, yeah make, for sure. Anyway, on to Mute. Mute is, um, interestingly, it's, um, there's a few Netflix things coming out in the next couple of weeks that are going to be, that were made for the big screen, but then have been basically bought up by Netflix and they're going to release on yeah, Netflix. Um, Netflix. So Cloverfield Paradox was one. It mm-hmm. was made for as a release, but has been brought down mm-hmm. um, one out by Alex Garland in the next couple of weeks called I think it's called Annihilation right. very excited about that yeah, yeah. Is, that, is, that, is that going out on Netflix yeah yeah, oh, yeah Garland really right ex- now about it apparently Garland really made it as a you know, he made it as a cinematic movie uh-huh. it's getting a cinema release in America right. but it's not a European cinema release worldwide release has, been, has basically been handed over to Netflix and Netflix are putting it straight onto the streaming service and not giving it any sort of Cinematic release elsewhere. Looking forward uh, to that so, a lot. That'll be good. Yeah. yeah, but apparently Mr. Garland is not happy about this situation. Um, oh. Whereas Mute was a, was actually made to be a, a Netflix film. Right, right. Um, okay. Jones went into and went into a partnership with Netflix. Maybe. So with that, you maybe had a certain budget and freedom to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot itself is set as it. It's in the future. Yeah. It's in sort of a cyberpunk Berlin, yeah? It, it's like fucking Blade Runner light almost. 
yeah, that's what yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's basically for the story of Alex Sarsgaard, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, the han- who, handsome one, yeah. The handsome one, um, the sexy vampire from True Blood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, he's a mute in the film. Mm-hmm. He basically falls in love with a girl, the girl disappears and he goes looking for her. Pretty much. In a nutshell, that's the full fucking film, unfortunately. Yeah. Got a story of Paul Rudd and Justin Theroux thinking they're in MASH. Yeah. Um, basically, it's two doctors who are also looking for this girl as well for their own reasons. Yeah. And for the most part, these two plots go along parallel but don't interact with each other. Yeah. Until sort of the final, what, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, it's kind of... It, it, clumsily pulls it together yeah yeah and that was my biggest issue with the film it was it, everything was so separate I feel like it felt almost like two films yeah the yeah. episodes they've then slammed together to try and get into because literally Rudd and Skarsgård don't interact apart from one scene yeah until the, until the conclusion and you didn't really understand why they were in any way you know opposition to each other or why they, they were yeah, and then they ham fist it at the end. It's like, well, there's why, and it just because it is, and you're like, no, but is it? And not yet, yeah, fucking is. And yeah, me and Andy watched it about only a couple of hours ago, and we both said the exact same thing. It just seems like every scene is from a different film, almost. Really, the tone of the film is absolutely all over the place. Again. Yeah, like, oh. there's times when Paul Rudd and Justin Theroux are in a straight off comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah. They're actually doing buddy cop routines. Yeah. And it has like and they actually are literally channeling Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould from MASH for big chunks <laughs> of it. At times it felt like that, yeah. It's like they're actually doing the same stuff that, that they do in the in MASH. And I'm like, yeah. this is such a weird tone for this film because Scarsgar is clearly playing it as like a sort of auteur indie flick, you know, when he's sort of all yeah. emotion and all just you know, yeah. that intensity of the eyes. Yeah. Paul Rudd just sort of swagged, like swinging his way through just and you're like what the fuck are you doing Paul Rudd <laughs> nah, I and then, then they throw a kid in there as well with Paul Rudd and all of a sudden he becomes like the perfect stay at home dad yeah he's like, only he's not Paul and it's Rudd's creepy and, yeah. yeah it sounds fucking mental <laughs> it is I mean there's times it does work like I actually would watch a film about the Paul Rudd and Justin Theroux characters I was like, going to say that sounds like it's got mileage <laughs> It yeah. has, but the actual, it just, it is, it's just, there's no cohesion to anything in it. Every scene just moves to the next one, and you're like, well, what happened about the last one, and why is this one relevant? And it just carries on to the next so, one, and again, we just, you've just, uh, all the way through, you just like, I don't fucking kind of know where this is all coming together. And at the end, when it does come together, it's because they've forced it together, you know, it's just like a car crash of an ending, and you're just like, no, that's not what's sat for two hours to see. It's just, it doesn't, it is doesn't. It like, He's the right. Sorry to interrupt, dude. Is he the? He's the writer normally, Duncan Jones, as well, isn't he? So, is it a case of and director? Is it a case that he's had too many ideas and he hasn't been able to let go of some of those ideas? Do you think? Or? Yeah, apparently this, was, apparently this was his first idea. This is, he wanted to do this before he did Moon, but no one would fund it because it was too big a story. Okay. And then he did Moon, and he actually wanted Sam Rockwell to play the Paul Rudd part in this, but Rockwell turned it. They didn't get to make it. Um. So they done Moon, and he still couldn't get this off the ground in the way he wanted to do it, and he done Source Code. Then obviously the big budget calling of Warcraft came in, and he wanted to do that, so he done that. And then now he's had the money and the sort of time and the after the failure of Warcraft, essentially, to sort of maybe go back to a more personal project, maybe try and get some mojo back, and this is what he came up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
He's not good with money then. I think that's what we can establish. <laughs> Poss- yeah. Possibly. Um, I think Skarsgård is a really good actor, but he's not a leading man yet. I agree. He's yeah. a definitely... I mean, even in that film we watched, we really liked the woman who played the, the corrupt cop. Yeah, um, yeah Warren Everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, the McDonough he's okay film. In it, yeah. but he's, 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 really, he's enjoyable in it, but it's a guy next to him who makes the film. He's yeah. sort of... Yeah, he's... he's made it. He's for sure a supporting actor. He's definitely not a lead. I mean, yeah, and I think he's a good supporting actor, and he'll make a role his own as a supporting actor. But yeah, just give him a film, and it's especially someone where he can't talk in as well, which seems really weird. I mean, it's like someone who's not the best actor and not let him talk is fucking stupid. I, as well. I think that's that's one of the better things about it. The fact he's not a great actor, but you can give him less dialogue, you make him look broody, which is what he does quite well, and has a, he's got a great smile on him. So he, he smiles now and again, and people go, "Oh, look at him, so charming." I think he fucking spelled Winston on, didn't he? At the end, that was it. Um, I think he but... did. My mind did smile. Like my god. Um, <laughs> what would you say about it? Compare it to something that was out recently, which was Bright, um, an our Netflix original. Yeah, yeah. I thought the budget of this, you could see it on screen more than you could see it in Bright. No, definitely. I thought Bright looked. Yeah, I mean, you definitely got a feel for, you know, you could see the Blade Runner influence and the Ghost in the Shell and stuff like that. It definitely had that that kind of, you know, future Tokyo kind of vibe to it and stuff like that. I mean, you could see the yeah. budget on it, but I don't know, it, it did just feel like a whole bunch of scenes just kind of thrown together and, you know, somewhere and there was a story that I just didn't quite pick out, maybe as quick as I should have. Or, right. Yeah. yeah, right for me looked cheap. Like, I couldn't really see where cheap budget went to apart from on Will Smith's wages. Yeah, yeah. Because Right, felt like everything was in the, in the one place in the one warehouse. Whereas in this one, at least you see they moved around a bit. Yeah, there was like it, it looked pretty impressive visually. It looked nice. It looked the CGI looked pretty solid. There was nothing really that stood out as being awful. Yeah, you know, all, all kind of stood up quite well. And um, but I would say this, I enjoyed it more than enjoy Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I've not wow. seen it yet, so no, I'm, I can't kind of see that. But I did enjoy it more than enjoyed Bright. Not that that's much of a fucking compliment, <laughs> the, um... but. <laughs> There's a new thing, kind of, I don't know if you guys agree, but materialising with these films that go straight um, to streaming services like Netflix, naturally the nature of them means that you have instantaneous social media outrage. He yeah. is, Duncan Jones has been absolutely rinsed on Twitter for this. Is he deserving of that, or is it just a flawed film? Not. It's, not a te- it's not an awful film. There are worse films that are going to get cinematic release this year. It's definitely not an awful film. It's at times misguided. It's like I said, sometimes having too many ideas is maybe a problem. You want to try and you know kind of uh-huh. just channel something, but it's definitely not. It's definitely not an off movie. There's a lot, like I said, a lot of stuff to enjoy in it. Yeah. Um, I think people also people are getting a bit to the point where if you had to go to the cinema and pay for this, then maybe you can go like I didn't enjoy that. I feel wasted two hours of my time watching this. I'm a bit pissed off. This is at home. Yeah. You're sitting yeah. on your couch watching it. You can engage with it in such a much more. There's almost no risk on you engaging with this film. You don't have to do anything to get this film. Yeah. And yeah. the seven nights you pay a month on your Netflix <laughs> subscription, you get that back anyway by the fact you get Stranger Things beamed to you. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's a case of the bigger you are, the harder you fall. But I mean, you do. You have got to think at some point. You know, that like this guy's had a chance to cut his teeth, and you know, should you settle for anything less than, than a better film than they gave you? Do you know what I mean? So Jones is. Well, just had his major kick. He had his critical kicking with with Warcraft, you know. So if anything, he ha- he's sort of he deserved a little pass on this one to maybe say. I don't know, right. but, but now he's got two kind of bad movies in a row. Almost, you know what I mean? It's like I don't know. No, but maybe that's as not... bad as Warcraft. Surely not. Um, no, not as Warcraft. bad as, but it's not. Uh, that's not what I mean. No, it's it's not a good movie. Yeah, and with a director of stature, you do think you know like 
you have got to step up and you get criticism, it's because you've set expectation, because you are good at what you do when you do it properly. So, you know, why can't we get that again, maybe? Yeah, because yeah. he set two modern sci-fi classics, really, you could argue. The first two films. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, Moon. I've not seen it yet, but it gets nothing but praise and passion heaped Moon's upon it. Moon's incredible, but mm. as Moon's absolutely incredible, a modern masterpiece for me. But Source Code is well worth a watch as well. I love, yeah, and I love Source Code as well. Yeah, yeah. But then you get to this, and that's what I mean. It's just like you know, big disappointment. If, yeah, if, if Spielberg makes a bad movie, then he should get his ass kicked for it. And I think Jones is getting to that level now. It's like you know, no, you should be able to make a good movie, and you've got enough budget for it. And regardless of where it's released, Netflix or cinema, you have a high enough caliber that if you don't make a good enough movie, I think people, you know, people should be able to kind of vent their spleen a wee bit and say, you know, no, fuck you, man, do better next time. Um, give it a ten, Paul. I'd probably give it a five out of ten. I would go slightly higher. I give it a six. Six, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have spent worse time in the cinema. I've said I've spent worse. Um, I've watched worse films like probably this week than the mute. To be honest, I will watch. Yeah, so it's like I said, big ideas, and I always appreciate a director who swings for the fences. Even if they don't always hit a home run, they always yeah. you know, just a try. Yeah, yeah efforts appreciated. Yeah, definitely not the worst yeah. movie I've seen, but you know, I mean, you do expect better sometimes, and they don't always kind of land where they're meant to, which is all right as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think expectation maybe is something you've got to rein in now and again. You can't yeah. expect yeah. Um On to the last Netflix film that's out. I think, in fact, this is weird because we, ta- we had a talk about two weeks ago about how it was uh, incredible that Cloverfield Paradox dropped on Netflix and how it was like a new change in the world and, you know, in the cinematic world and like how people are going to, you know, sort of interact with, with, with movies and cinema. Mm-hmm. You dropped with very little fanfare. I didn't, I didn't go on Netflix with like, sort of the same big fanfare. Right, didn't really go on with much fanfare. And now this, our next film called A Futile and Stupid Gesture, again, Netflix original. Yeah. Kind of heavyweight cast in it as well. Okay, it dropped yeah. with, almost, with almost no information. Yeah, I mean, I stumbled across it accidentally. It was just by, by kind of happenstance. I was looking for one movie and I got myself mixed up and found this movie, thinking yeah. it was another movie. So, yeah, completely accident. I found it. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I know Netflix committed to putting out so much original content, but right now they're putting out so much original content that. <laughs> Some of it's just completely passing me by. Like, yeah. there's one out with Jack Black in it called Polka King, I think it's called. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. What the hell is that? What? I, I, I have absolutely no idea. Has a Jack Black, has a Jack Black movie been released and no one actually knows fuck all about it? It's, it's, like, meant, it's, it's meant to be funny. I've heard that as a, the early reviews, I've heard that it's a funny film. It's worth watching because right. it chuckles in it. Yeah. Right, okay. So I mean, I'm all for watching it. I'm just sort of going, like, maybe I would like to have known about this film before it came out just so I can actually discover it. As opposed to just. <laughs> Dropping one day, I'm going, I'm going like, what the hell is the Poker King with Jack Black? It's like, what it's about? <laughs> um, but then don't we complain that trailers, there's too much exposure to everything? <laughs> we see trailers a million yeah, times. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't want I don't want to see 1,500 of the same trailer, yeah. but I would like to it's coming out before it just to falls in your life. Netflix doesn't really do seem, it seems to really struggle. I mean, Stranger Thing, for example, when it was coming out on Netflix, you knew that was coming out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same like Daredevil and Jessica Jones too and all that. There's a lot of noise about it, yeah. Yeah. I know Stu's heavily invested right now in the in the Crown. I am. You know, they make a big point of that getting released, you know, and the new season of that coming out, and they actually make a point of saying like, this shit's coming out, like be aware it's going to drop. Mm-hmm. You know, like called as well with the Marvel stuff as well. They make a big deal about that. Mm-hmm. But like some of these original films, I mean, some of them actually got decent, solid casts of them, but they're still yeah. not getting any sort of yeah. general, you know information out. But on to this one. It's called A Futile and Stupid Gesture. Yep. 
directed by a guy called David Wayne. Do you know who he is, Colin? Um, I don't know who he is, no. Is he one of the Wayne's horror uh, people? He directed a film. He, he, got, he made it big in Hollywood by directing a film and writing a film called Wet Hot American Summer. Right. Which okay. uh, a certain generation of Americans who seem to adore this film on a level that I just do not understand. Don't get it. Don't get it at all. What is it, is, it, it. is it like a kind of college movie or? It's like a summer camp movie. Right. Okay. Cool. Everyone who's big, anyone who anyone's a big comedy actor right now was in this film. This yeah. made him like two thousand. So it's almost like the kind of the Dazed and Confused film where you can like trace everyone's career back to this one film. Right. That's exactly, isn't it? Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. But honestly, I watched it thinking this thing was some. It's. I thought it was shit, to be honest. I thought it was. I, I, thought it was, I loved, and I genuinely love a, a teen sort of like coming of age kind of movie. This was crap. But yeah, it's <laughs> so like David Hyde Pierce and you know, Paul Rudd and who else was in it? Amy Poehler. And... Banks in it as well. The guy yeah. from Big Bang Theory, who's a comic book owner, he's in it. You get Amy Poehler's in it as well. I think. Yeah, you know, Amy Poehler's in, in it. Bradley Cooper. It's just. And I, I watched the series first, and I was. I watched a couple episodes. And then I thought, well, maybe I need to watch the film. So I watched the film, and I was just like, I don't get this. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I thought, I, I'm too old to get this. But I thought, no, because the films I love, like I still love stuff, shit like Meatballs, and I still love all, the, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I, just, I just did not get this film. Anyway, but people, certainly, there's a certain generation in America that seems to really dig this film in a big way. So that's a film he done. He also done a, um, uh, Role Models, the one with Sean William Scott and Paul Rudd. I like that film. Yeah. I enjoy that film. That's funny. I quite oh. enjoyed that one. Um, he done the one called The Wonderlust as well. I think it's Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. So he likes yeah, Paul, he, he likes Paul yeah. Rudd, yeah. Paul Rudd's his, his muse. Pallid. I think he's, I think he's very pally with Paul Rudd. Interest. I don't think Paul Rudd's in this film, though, is he? This new one. No, um, he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't in it. The, no. the plot of the film essentially follows a guy who's called remember his name, the main uh, guy. The, it's Doug Kenny. His name is Doug Kenny. Who is a guy who invented or was the co-inventor of National Lampoon? National Lampoon, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like starting off, he started at Harvard and then he sort of made it go worldwide with the the magazine and then the radio show and the movies and everything Lampoon. Yeah, and he just kind of followed his career as he basically builds this empire and then casually they try to destroy it and then destroy himself by yeah, an pretty much someone who succumbs to the. the the fucking pitfalls of Hollywood, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's also a very smart guy, but also just basically, uh, he's he's prone to every vice going. If he can find a vice, he'll he'll go for it. Yeah, yeah, uh, he'll, he'll the main use guy, it. The main, who was his name again? Sorry, Doug Kenny. You said, yeah. Doug Kenny's the character. I can't remember the actor's name. More the actor's name is Will Forty. Will Forty. That's it. Yeah, because they reference that in the movie as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's in a TV show called The Last Man on Earth, which is very, very funny. He's mm-hmm. absolutely excellent in that show. Done a lot of movies as well, but I can't really think. He's in a lot of comedy. He sort of plays like third or fourth string comedy act, you know, that kind of, that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've seen him in like um, Flight of the Concords and yes. Yeah, he's very funny, very dry. Yes. Nebraska, he's in Nebraska as well, isn't he? Nebraska, that's when he's in, yes, as well. Um, but if you get a chance to watch the TV show The uh, Last Man on Earth, it's very, very funny. Um, I haven't seen that. Um, his mate, the guy who also starts Lampoon with him, sort of the. So I would say the brain some, somebody Green, his name was, I want to say. I can't remember his name now, but yeah. he played by Dom Hall Gleason. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But completely unrecognised, but it took me ages to get who he was. I could not get who he was. It was I was the same, it took me and Andy, I kind of you and we realised, fuck, that's who that is, and it, it just is so not like who he is. It's amazing. <laughs> then after that, you've got pretty much every comedy actor they can find in America right now has made an appearance in this film. There, there is a few. Um, they're playing characters that, that they don't always resemble, but they 
mannerisms that they kind of do it enough that you do recognise the character yeah, so that they're like kind of being. In the film, they've got everybody, like they've got Bill Murray in the, in, the, in the film, but it's not Bill Murray, it's somebody playing Bill Murray. Yeah. Oh, Chevy I mean, Chase, playing, like, Bill I, Murray, like, yeah. Who else? Like Chevy Chase. Chevy and, Chase is in there, Harold Ramis is in there, and Rita. Rita Hayworth. Yeah, yeah. Not, not Hayworth. I've been played by actors. Some of them are a little bit not quite getting it. Some of them you can kind of go with it. They do make a joke of it in the film because through the whole film you've got, like it says, an older version of the Will Forte character mm-hmm. as a narrator walking through it. So just doing the turn to camera and talking about what it is. Yeah, so they're breaking and the fourth wall quite a lot, yeah. Yeah, like we don't, these people don't look like them, but do you think I look like Will Forte when I was 23? More yeah. than that, do you think Will Forte is fucking 23 years old right now? Yeah. Of he's not. So move on, let's build on this. But- <laughs> throughout the movie um, I found it really funny I thought it was a really well told story that I actually didn't know anything about yeah I mean it's dialogue heavy and it's fast it's a lot yeah. of back and forward and just quippy really really quippy but you know most of them hit the spot and they are genuinely funny clips yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you know anything about this guy before you watched it um, to, no, to the point I was actually shocked when it got to the end of the film because I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck, shit, that happened. I didn't know that happened. So that's how little yeah. I knew about him. Yeah. But really interesting. Kind of well done. For, like, I wish it actually did get more release. I can see why it's not put in the cinema. I don't think it would get much of an audience in the cinema. You know, this is one of those kind of films yeah. that's not going to, people are not going to, it doesn't have any big name actors in it. You know, I can't really see Will Forty dragging them in the same way like some, like, unfortunately, like Vince Vaughn can do with a comedy. Yeah, or, definitely. Donald Gleeson was just kind of big name yeah. in it and he wasn't in it enough to. Bill it as a normal person vehicle, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense it's on Netflix. I just wish it get more of a sort of a big up before it came out so people could actually get a chance to see it. I genuinely really enjoyed it, really, and it's only been film. Half long, it moves at a hell of a pace, yeah, it doesn't really dwell on much. Um, I don't know how true it is. I've not had enough chance to do any reading on it to find out how real it is. I kind of read bits and bobs, and it seems, yeah, kind of fairly close. Obviously, there's always going to be embarrassment anyway, but it seems fairly close. I think a lot of the quotes are kind of direct quotes and stuff like that as well and a lot of the yeah. anecdotes and stories seem to be true coming from the source material and stuff like that as well yeah, yeah I mean some of the stuff I mean him having the meltdown on the set of or the Q&A session for Caddyshack is mm. obviously not exactly that, that was like that was on television essentially yeah, yeah. Sort of that's real, but yeah, um, I'm glad that a lot of it's real. So, if you get a chance to watch it, you definitely find a wee hour and a half to watch it. It's, it's fun, it's worth your time. There's definitely, I will, I will do that. I weighed, it up, I weighed it up last night, and I should have I should have texted you guys. It was either that or I, Tonya. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, but I think I, Tonya, seems like an important movie, though. So, I'm glad like, you've seen that. Do you know what I mean? Because it is Oscar kind of hype and stuff like that. So, just yeah. now it seems important, whether it remains so or not, but it does seem important. So, I'm glad one of us has so far had the chance yeah. to kind of vent a spleen about it. Yeah, yeah and I will try and go yeah, see it at some point. Do you think um, on David Wayne, maybe with Wet Hot American Summer and the same with Lampoon, even though the, the Lampoon resonates more, he, he seems to um, focus on very American subjects that n- wouldn't necessarily resonate with British audiences? I mean, that's definitely a fair point, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is sort of, he's definitely, it's a slice of Americana, but it's not the Americana that maybe people in Britain want to embrace, you know, it's yeah, sort of... Yeah, exactly, yeah, that, that's how I interpret it, but, but I saw the trailer for this and I thought it looked really funny. And you guys have reaffirmed that. So. Yeah, I found it funny. I definitely found it a lot funnier than I found Wet Hot American Summer. Um, yeah. Which, like we said, I don't where I did not find funny at all. Um, but it, it definitely is, it has a unique audience to it, I think. I mean, I'm like a huge National Lampoon fan, to be honest. You know, I'm not oh, like a... Yeah, other than Vacation, yeah, I'm the same, actually. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I've watched a couple of times. I don't really get why people love Animal House. No, I don't. No! Thank you. No. I think it's an American, but it's got to do, we don't have frat parties and all that, so it's not in our kind of culture, whereas in America, I think it's kind of almost, if you're not 
you know, you're the odd one out, so I think it's just more a cultural difference, I think but, that's all right. I love Porky's, and Porky's like pretty much the most American film you can get, and I think But Porky's that's because it's got boobs and stuff in it, so that's why, so oh, that's a kind of teenage boy kind of more appeals to that rather than the, the, the kind of toga party idea, I think. Yeah, like I say, Animal House are like, uh, Caddyshack, I appreciate Bill Murray, but I don't think Caddyshack is that great a film, I think it's a bit of a I don't think it's a good film, I, I think it's a good I enjoy film. it immensely because they're the kind of oddball performances, but yeah, it, it, it kind of... It's Stripes a Lampoon film? It's not, but I think it's, cl- it's almost it's like a set, Satan Cousin almost, yeah, yeah, that idea is... Yeah, I don't think, I, like, I do like Stripes, what about Meatballs, is that a um, Lampoon one? Meatballs isn't either, no, I'm afraid, no. Uh, no. Yeah, he's always, people involved in it, I don't, I enjoy them and everything, you know, obviously Ghostbusters yeah. is a heavy lampoon yeah. film, but it's not, not. I think that's probably lampoon is because they don't have a lot of films, but you do associate the actors with those films, so when you see a film you it's think so lampoon, do you know what I mean, and it's, it's not at all. Yeah. Yeah, apart <laughs> from Christmas Vacation and Summer Vacation, mm-hmm. that's only two actually think I would sit there and watch them on a regular basis, everything else I would, and, and particularly now, if you'll see a National Lampoon um, banner on something, it's usually a sign that it's going to be utterly Awful. shit. Awful. And saying that, was the, was the recent remake of Vacation National Lampoon as well? So I, re- I, I really enjoyed that. I liked that a lot. I felt it felt like a Lampoon movie, but I don't know if it was or not. I think it probably. I think if they're going to put the, the Vacation <laughs> logo on it, the, and the fact and they use the same characters, I've got to at least acknowledge it as National it Lampoon. Is there. Yeah. I hope they do because I really enjoyed it. And I think it, it, it kind of had all the same comedy beats that you would expect from National Lampoon. So, yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, is Van Wilder National Lampoon? I don't I might be. Don't I think know. It might be. Yeah, I've not seen that either. It's more Van Miller is good, but it is more the um, the performance of Reynolds that I really enjoy in that film. Easily, yeah, totally. Yeah, the film itself is kind of you can does kind of bypass me a little bit, but um, his performance is the one that wins it for me. It was, yeah, Van Miller was National Lampoon. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that I need to watch that at some point and get my yeah, son here. Yeah, it is very funny. Um, so, um, what's um, what's out next week, Richard? What's um, up in, we're still all well, other than the stuff I've got to catch this week. Still, what's out next week as well? Yeah, well. <laughs> Still out that we can go and see if we want to go and see is Father Figures, which looks like one of the most tripe shit American comedies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It looks absolutely awful. I don't feel but like I'm missing much. <laughs> just yeah. looks the most beige of comedies, I think you could probably say. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've also still got out I, Tonya, if you want to go and try and see that. Which I do want to try and catch still. Um, despite... I think I sold that. I think I sold that film. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am still intrigued to see it. Um because I've seen the trailer a thousand times, so I'm kind of I'm now invested in it. Um, Ladybird's still out, which, which I want to see. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. you've seen it, and we want to try and get to talk about it at some point, but I've not seen it. And I really want to talk about it. Cause it looks one of those films that have, should have a lot of talking points in it. Yep. Yep. My lips are um, sealed until the pod. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so, if you've got a chance to go and see Com, The Greatest Showman is still out. I've not seen that. Yes, you, I have. You, have you, you need to go and see it. I didn't even see it because apparently I'm the only person in Britain who has not seen The Greatest Showman because it's still making money hand over fist. I think you should really try and see it before it goes because you'll kick yourself if you don't and you, you'll hate it and you'll grumble about it but you'll be glad you've fucking seen it so you could. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I, just, I, I know we do want to go and see it so I'm, I will and I, it bears mentioning again that it was out at the same time as Star Wars. It's still out now and it's actually Get more screenings than like pretty much most films out there. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's good though. It's fun. Like half a dozen shows this week of a film that's been out for two months. I've never seen that before. Not even that, but they're doing special VIP sing-along shows, so it's not oh, even what? normal shows. It's like tailored shows Holy that fuck. people are swallowing up and they're going to see. That's how yeah. fucking awesome this film is. Like, <laughs> that happens all the time over here because we've only got like a, two cinemas, tiny cinemas. So uh-huh. anything remotely big. 
stays for a long time. Um, and Greatest Showman is still here, I believe. So yep. that's you, testament to that. You should go and no, see I, it as well, Mr. McFall. I, no excuse. I, I, I will loathe it, I think. But I do love Jackman. I love Jackman. But, Everyone yeah. loves Jackman. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm just amazed this film's still out, and it's amazing how much money it's doing and what audience it's actually picking up. Um, but out new next week, which are, um, Friday will be the new films, mm-hmm. you've got um, Game Night, starring which... Jason Bateman. Jason, I'm really excited by this one. I think yeah. it looks really, I, I like really funny. Yeah. 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 I, I do worry because there is a lot like uh, American comedy of this, like American studio comedy of late, has been for the most part utter shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just adult, just crap. This no, could be the uh, one, though. This could be the one that breaks out and says, you know what, no more. This is... This is the last statement when I watched for the comedy was at one the Office Christmas Party, which was one of the piece, biggest pieces of shit I've ever seen. It was absolutely yeah, horrendous. It wasn't great, yeah. yeah. Well, see, and I do have hope for the guys who wrote this, I think, or, direct, or the director of this one is the guy who directed um, wrote Spider-Man Homecoming. Right, okay, so... Jim, okay. John Francis Daly. Um, jokes and gags in there, then. Yes, yeah, so I'm hoping it's got something about it, so that, that's out. Uh, and also, the big kind of action release this week is um, Red Sparrow. Which, no, I'm not convinced by. Why not? I, don't, I just think Jennifer Lawrence is a really good actress, and this film just seems to be, you know... Jennifer Lawrence in kind of hot sexy mode, and it's like I want to see Jennifer Lawrence in proper kind of acting her wee socks off mode. So I can't wait to see that swimsuit. How the hell it works? Uh, then, but it seems it's somehow working. I don't, I don't understand. Um, do you know it's based on a book, Red Sparrow? I didn't know that, but it sounds a lot like Black Widow as well, which is a bit. Actually, but actually, the book was out well, well, well before the Black Widow character. So if anything, Marvel will think of Nick Black Widow from Red Sparrow. From Red Sparrow, cool. yeah. It's got Jeremy Irons. This has got to be a good sign, surely. It has. It's also got, it's also got the guy from Love that we really like um, Egerton Egerton Egerton's Joe Egerton's in, it as well. in it as well yeah, yeah. I don't and know like just doesn't that. doesn't look like a, I don't know the, the kind of town is this massive blockbuster action film with Jennifer Lawrence and I don't know I think it's going to be more like something like Salt which I really enjoyed Salt as a movie mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it more like that I think it could be it might surprise people people go in for expecting one thing but if you allow yourself to enjoy what it is you could really get something out of it like a good, like a good proper espionage like sort of 70s espionage thriller that would actually work really well for me hopefully that's what it is it'd be good if that's it's the is, Hunger but... Games dude, though, isn't it? It's the Hunger Games guy, I think. Is it? So, yeah. Uh, Frank. Right. What was it his name? Frank, some Frank Lawrence or something? Some I can't no. remember his name. But yeah, yeah as a guy. Frank. I think it's the, the second, third, and fourth Hunger Games, not not the first one, like the the ones after that. Right. Okay. So he's worked with Lawrence before as well, then some of amuse and stuff yes. like that. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll see. We're probably going to see it anyway, but I'm not holding up big massive hope for it. But we'll see. Yep. Um. So that is us for this week. Cool. That is everything done for. Well, that was enjoyable, gents. Um, I will tell people where they can find us, uh, and that would be that. at Free Beers in a Movie um, at gmail.com, um, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. So it's the number Free Beers in a Movie. So look us up, give us some likes, and send us some emails, some questions, moan about shit, whatever you want to do, just let us know you're out there. Um, and I've been Colin, you've been Richard, and you've been you. <laughs> you've been listening to. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>